Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. Graham Greene, he wrote this sentence in his book, Ways of Escape. Writing is a form of therapy. Sometimes I wonder how all those who do not write, compose, or paint can manage to escape the madness, melancholia, and panic and fear, which is inherent in a human situation. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. The website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Let's talk about escaping the human situation with writing. Coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. It's the end of November. As I hit the record button, don't know when I'm going to release this, but we'll see how it goes. I hope all is well with you. It's highly likely that Thanksgiving is past, and I hope it was safe and lovely and everything that you hoped it would be. The troubled writer is more than a stereotype. Like there are many writers and other creatives that, well, they are vexed souls looking for solace in their art. Kind of like King Saul, you know, King Saul, he would long for the music of David to soothe his soul. And it certainly, it, it is a stereotype, no question, but there, there are clearly many, many examples where it's evident that there are creative people that for whatever reason are vexed. It's kind of a paradox really, as you look at people that are very troubled but are also very, very funny comedians who are anything but funny in real life, but up in front of others, uh, they can, they can bring the house down cause and effect can be tough things to figure out. I don't think that we should necessarily assume some correlation between the degree of vexation and creativity. And I don't think that we should naturally assume that, well, if you're creative, then you're going to be a troubled, dark soul. I rather think that we are all vexed to some degree. And I also would assume that we are all creative to some degree. Now, some of us lean more toward one than the other. That is some of us, we may be more vexed than creative, but, uh, that's a, that may be another show. The human situation is both universal and uniquely individual. And that Graham Greene quote from the book Ways of Escape, it's a terrible book, by the way, but the quote seems worthwhile. And maybe Mr. Green wonders how people who aren't creative, how can they manage to escape the human condition, or as he calls it, the human situation. But I really am viewing it differently. And today, as you might imagine, I'm going to talk about it in a little different way, in spite of the way that I titled the show, escaping the human situation with writing. For me, it's more about managing. It's more about dealing with coping 
with the human situation, with whatever tools we have for me in the context of this conversation with you, it's about writing and podcasting and in that order, but let's go ahead and let's acknowledge the elephant in the room as a Christian, because firstly, it's about managing the human situation through faith, which includes reading scripture. It includes prayer. It includes worship. It includes all the other blessings that are found only in Jesus Christ. And if you don't share that view, well, it's my podcast, (laughs) start your own. Those actions have eternal consequences. And so they matter most. And beyond that are other endeavors. And for me, that includes writing and podcasting, but firstly, it includes leaning on a spouse. I lean on my wife and I'm happy to do that and hope and trust she leans on me as well. Then there's writing and podcasting, but there's other things too. There's listening to music, there's reading. And this means that at least for me, there's the consumption of information or there's the consumption of creativity. That is something that's worthwhile, learning something worthwhile, experiencing something worthwhile. Then there is performing creativity. There's creating something hopefully worthwhile, hopefully something meaningful, impactful. And I suppose when I look at my own life, I feel like I'm always, I'm always really trying I'm not saying I succeed, but I'm always trying to do both at the same time. And certainly there are some seasons, perhaps there are some moments where I may be more focused on one over the other. When I'm preparing for an episode like this one, I am both consuming and creating, but it's far more heavily toward creating than consuming. For me, it's hard to do one without the other. And then there's that whole escaping versus managing thing, avoiding versus dealing with it, running and hiding versus standing and facing it. And while I understand escaping in whatever form that may take, running, hiding, avoiding, procrastinating, whatever, I know that it's foolish to lean into that. It's foolish to lean into the whole wanting to run and hide better to face it, better to sort it out as best we can and put in the work to figure out, okay, what, what might my best option here be? I'm helping a person who is faced with some realities that it's evident he would rather not face. I get it, but I also know that it's not helpful to run. And so he schedules some time with me to talk and we hop online and I'm hoping to give him a greater sense of control. I mean, come on, after all, it's his life. And so I say to him, you're in charge, you're in charge of this conversation today. So take, take this wherever you would like to take it. I'm here for you. Silence shifts real nervously in his chair for what seems like minutes. I don't say anything. I'm just letting the silence just kind of sit on top of us for a little bit. It's clear. He is struggling with this flight response and I'm internally, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that he will resist it. I'm hoping he will do the work to face it. And after this uncomfortable silence, I say, you're in control of this. Do whatever you want. More silence, more shifting in this chair. And he finally, he works up the words and he says, I want to end this call. In that moment, I know he has decided to run. I let him and I simply say, okay. And then I end the call. It all takes 45 seconds. 
it happens. People frequently decide to run. The problem is the thing we're running from almost always catches us and overtakes us. I have yet to encounter a situation in my life where standing and fighting was not the better alternative. Now it may not look like that in the moment, but sometimes the fight isn't anything at all. It is simply us staring down the problem. I was in junior high when some thug kid, for whatever reason, wanted to mix it up with somebody and in trying to make peace decided that he would try to turn his vengeance on me. And I took two steps forward, got as close to him as I uncomfortably could, stared him in the eyes and told him back off. And he did no fight ensued. And sometimes we can do that. Other times it's like a vicious knife fight and you're just left bloody and exhausted. But even those fights, they're worthwhile compared to the alternative of running and hiding. I don't know anybody that enjoys agony, but I suppose we all prefer some abbreviated version of agony versus a prolonged version of agony. You know, let's just get this over with, right? Running prolongs everything bad. It doesn't seem to accelerate anything good in spite of the fact that we're running. Besides, I've lived long enough to know that the man I'm attempting to help, this man who decides he wants to run in this moment, he may stop running. He might not. I don't know. That's up to him. It's not up to me. But when and if he stops running, I'm very confident that he will find a path forward. He may not make that decision, though, and that's entirely up to him. It's his life. We come to things when we come to things, and maybe we don't come to them at all. I'm always working hard to come to things as quickly as possible because, well, two things. I'm lazy, and I want to avoid as much pain as possible, so there's that. Do you really want to escape the human situation, or would you rather improve yours? Seems to me that's a good question. Life isn't likely quite that binary. You know, sometimes we read novels and watch TV shows and movies. We listen to music. We work in the yard. We pursue our hobbies. We engage in other activities so that we can get our mind off of one thing and onto something completely different for a while. It's more of a respite, really, I guess, than an escape. A respite is defined as a short period of rest or relief from something difficult or unpleasant. I don't think that's running and hiding. You know, that, that's more buying time as we process. I mean, sure, it could, it could become a habit. We could absolutely turn it into this full sprint runaway tactic. Hopefully, we don't lean into that. And if you are leaning into that, if you do find yourself converting this short period of rest into a really long, prolonged period of running away, well, tap the brakes, rethink that. Rethink that. Let me encourage you to... Get get back, get back closer to the problem and facing it. I had it happen in my life. I've referred to it often here in the early fall of 2018, we encountered the situation, a difficult situation and running from it just was not an option. 
I mean, for starters, it was just too important an event. Uh, there was too much at stake. There were too many other people involved, you know, wishing that it was different was not going to be an effective strategy. But my question, is that ever a great strategy? No, no. Wishing that it were different, wishing that it would just go away is never a good strategy. And thankfully we did not deploy that strategy. Instead, we asked questions. We leaned heavily into our curiosity. We were hoping to gain some insights, gain some understanding. And within days, some things, not all things, but some things did become more clear. That didn't help us really, but at least we had greater clarity while some other things just seemed to get muddier and muddier. And then we did escape. Physically, we went away. We went to a change of scenery. We, we left. We got out of Dodge, not to hide, but to sort some things out. The hope was that lots of hiking, lots of walking, lots of time in nature, lots of talking would help us process our thoughts, our feelings. Seemed like a smart move. Turns out it was. It was a really smart and wise move. For days, we walked and we talked and we walked and we talked and we prayed and we prayed some more and we cried and we cried some more. And like injured or wounded animals in the wild that lean on their surroundings to heal, we did the same thing. It felt right to us to give that a go. Turns out it was the right move. Have you ever watched an MMA? It's mixed martial arts. Have you ever watched one of these MMA matches? You know, these cage matches. I'm not talking about pro wrestling. I'm talking about the real McCoy, the guys that really are trying to hurt each other. I mean, typically both fighters, they have some proficiency in some form of mixed martial arts. That's why they call it MMA. According to KarateCity.org, who knew there was a website? I did a quick Google search. According to KarateCity.org, there are more than 170 forms of mixed martial arts. I don't know any of them. <laughs> I, I know how I know the names of a few and some basic ways to identify, but no, I I'm certainly not a practitioner. There are lots of different tactics, lots of different strategies. You know, some are very strike oriented. That is it's, it's, it's hit with your fist, with your elbows. Others are very leg oriented, you know, kick with your knees, with your heel, with your foot. Others are more grappling kind of things, wrestling, kind of, you know, holes, submission holes. Well, during any given match, you're likely going to see one fighter gain a momentary advantage. And if they are able, the other fighter is going to do whatever they can. It doesn't always happen. I mean, sometimes you see somebody with a knee to the chin and it's over. Lights are out there. It's over. It's done. But when that's not the case, when it's not, you know, kind of this knockout blow and a fighter gets in trouble, you see them do whatever they can to escape that moment. They don't want to get knocked out. They don't want to get choked out. They don't want to be submitted with some inescapable hold. It's about escaping this moment, this moment that might cost me this fight. This moment where I may be knocked out, I may be choked out. It's not about hiding or running. 
it's doing whatever you can to prolong the fight so that you have some hope of victory. It really is an attempt to escape defeat. That's what we did in 2018. Momentary escape. Time spent building ourselves up emotionally and spiritually for the fight ahead. Neither of us, when we bugged out to the woods, neither of us had the strength at that moment to really handle the situation. And so it was a momentary retreat that served us so that we could avoid being knocked out. You've experienced this. It happens. It can happen when you're in the shower. It can happen when you're driving the car. It can happen when you're not thinking about the elephant in the room. And suddenly something comes to you when you least expect it. Likely because you weren't looking for it, but it appears. It's an answer. It's an idea. It's a thought. It's a feeling. And it's one that you will leverage to move yourself forward. It's one you may have never experienced had you not at that moment avoided concentrating on the issue intentionally or unintentionally doesn't really matter. Some people can gravitate to yard work under stress and strain. Others can navigate to a golf course. You know, me it's writing. Sometimes it's podcasting. Sudden situations lingering situations while I was thinking about this and thinking about my own behavior and trying to learn whatever I might about how I can handle things better in the future. I realized there have been, for me, there've been two distinctly different human situations. I'm supposing that this is universal. I don't know how it couldn't be. One is that sudden kick to the gut event. This thing that you didn't see coming. It's those blindsided hits. The others are those slow, ongoing, daily grind situations that you would just like to change. Our 2018 event, it was a sudden situation, mostly. I've had other situations, usually professionally related, that were more lingering, you know, kind of a daily grinded out sort of a thing. Neither is comfortable. Both situations are situations that we would rather not experience, but they are also very different. You watch a fight begin, whether it's boxers in a ring or MMA fighters in a cage, and there's a lot of jogging around, right? Jogging around, trying to, trying to get a sense of, of the other fella. They know they're facing an opponent, right? It's, it's a lingering. Well, they hope it's a lingering situation. They hope it's a lingering situation for themselves. They hope that they can end it abruptly for their opponent, but don't you do the same thing with life? Sure. We all do. We would like to end the lingering situation for ourselves, but we are careful to keep moving, watching our opponents every move. And so we may go round after round, after round, after round with no real activity, no real punches being thrown. It can be mentally exhausting. It can be physically exhausting. Thinking about how we hate this circumstance. I hate being here. I hate being in this situation, thinking of how we'd rather be anywhere else doing anything but this. Here's the rub. We could be doing something. Yes, we could. We don't have to keep jogging around this ring. We don't keep having, we don't have to keep dancing around this cage. We can go on the offense. You know, we can attack the opponent. Some people do. Some don't. You ever wonder why? 
Yeah, me too. I've, I've watched some MMA fights, and I mean, the fighters, you know, they they meet in the middle. They may touch gloves, and then the other opponent, just like a hurricane, just comes barreling toward toward the other person. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And then you see people that they are very reticent to take the fight to their opponent. Now, here's the interesting thing for me. This is how my mind works. I'm thinking they've both trained for this event, this specific event. They have trained for it. They, nobody's got a gun to their head. They have chosen to train for this. They have chosen to engage in this activity. And yet once the door closes, some seem way more reluctant to engage in the activity for which they have trained for which they have volunteered. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, if you're gonna, if you're gonna train for it, you might as well go for it. Right. Wiring, confidence, preparation. I guess there are likely these and many, many more ingredients that lead a person to go on the attack or that would lead other people to retreat when the opponent really isn't attacking. It all boils down to fear. Fear is what likely drives us to attack our opponent in hopes of gaining some advantage before they do, or fear drives us to retreat, fearful they will catch us. I've seen MMA fighters or boxers just dive headlong into the fray, you know, just reckless abandon, hoping that their frenetic attack will result in success. And sometimes it's highly entertaining now. I know myself well enough to know. I wouldn't likely do that. And yet at the same time, I just told you about a seventh or eighth grade encounter that I had where I very quickly just stepped forward and got right in the kid's face and just said, back off. And he did. I would likely though, be much more comfortable with a more methodical, persistent forward approach, you know, kind of a jab, 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 followed by this flurry of punches and then back off and kind of regroup unless of course, unless you sense that you have stunned the opponent. And I can tell you that in seventh or eighth grade, whenever this was, I do remember looking at this kid thinking he's not going to do anything. And if he does, I'm not going to care. And I didn't fight. I've never fought ever. I've done some boxing, you know, neighborhood kind of stuff. This is where you have to have a heightened awareness of the situation. And as I look back in junior high, I did, I had a heightened awareness of the situation. I feel like most of the time I've got a heightened awareness of the situation. I pay really close attention. I listen real carefully. I watch very carefully. Any sign of an advantage should result in a more intense effort to end this fight, knock this opponent out, get on with this. Because when the opponent is on his heels, it's time to go all in. It is time to keep up a sustained attack and end this thing. I would venture to guess that most of us, how could we not react to sudden situations? But I, I would also surmise that we are less proactive than I suspect we know we should be. For example, the fighter who doesn't attack, but remains on the defensive is suddenly caught. He's caught with a good punch. Maybe he's caught with a takedown and now panicked and you see it all the time panicked he's scrambling he's scrambling to respond and those moments where he may have been standing on his feet toe-to-toe with the opponent debating with himself should i go for it should i wait okay those are gone now now he's in trouble 
big trouble, maybe. Desperate to avoid utter defeat, he's he's wriggling, he's punching, he's blocking, he's twisting, he's rolling, he, he's doing whatever he can to avoid being beaten. And sometimes if he is skilled enough, if he is practiced enough, if he physically understands what is being done to him, he knows how to counter it and he can escape. But if not, he's going to lose. He waited too long. He played it all wrong. Well, I know that feeling. Sometimes life wins. Sometimes because I hesitate in going on the attack. Sometimes because I'm hoping to avoid the fight. Sometimes because I'm kind of hoping life will retreat. But life doesn't retreat ever. I know this. You know this. But the mind is a funny thing. Okay, it's not always funny haha, but it can be funny stupid. It can be funny foolish. We dance with life thinking that more time will improve our chance to succeed. Whatever our view of winning is. But life doesn't often work that way. Buying time merely hoping for random chance to play to our favor. You know, it's like we talked about last week. Random chances do happen, but this much seems true to me. When we're putting some actions forward, random chances may play to our favor. They may not. Hopefully, if we are engaged in meaningful, significant actions. Life has surely taught most of us that doing something is usually better than doing nothing. Well, unless, of course, the thing that we do is foolish. Hence our show, this podcast, have a focus on leaning toward wisdom, leaning further and further away from our own foolishness. Sometimes the reason that things do happen to us is because we're stupid and we behave stupidly, foolishly. That space between a sudden situation and a lingering situation intrigues me. It's that, it's that place where it's yet to be really established. If this is a sudden situation or a linger. Now some they're cut and dried, but it seems to me that there is this space between the two that could be available. This ideal spot, if you please, to survey the opponent, to buy some time, to dance the ring, to keep your eyes peeled for signs of another sudden attack, time to gather yourself, to figure out what your first punch might look like time to spot the opponent's tendencies to see when they're going to drop their guard to spot how you can best leverage what you know you're good at what you're confident in so that you can strike a defeating blow but when the data is being gathered time to move in time to move in time to go on the attack yeah but when now there's the rub Well, that's impossible to say because you're the one in the ring. You're the one in the cage. You're the one who knows what you know. You're the one who's experienced what you've experienced. You're the one who's been gut punched or not. You're the one who sees what you see. You're the one who feels what you feel. You're the one who believes what you believe. What are you seeing? What are you feeling? What are you believing? Can you trust it? This is where other people can help us. People can serve to help us see things more clearly. But even our closest confidants cannot do it for us. Some weeks ago, a friend got news. His closest friend had been in a car wreck. The friend was hurt, but he would be fine. 
the friend's wife of about 10 years, she was not okay. She was killed and instantly lives changed instantly. A human situation knocked some people to their knees, causing them to gasp for air. I don't know how long the grief will endure. I don't know what that grief or what that endurance will look like to each his own. We have to find our own way forward through the tears, through the sorrow. And it is uniquely our own experience, not something that anybody should or can judge. Some weeks ago I posted, I'll put it in the show notes for today's episode. Just go to leaning toward wisdom.com escaping the human situation with writing. I know I haven't talked much about writing. We'll get around to it. I posted a quote along with what I think is just an adorable photograph of a raccoon hugging a dog. And the quote is from a book lost connections by Johan Hari. And the quote says, we grieve because we have loved. We grieve because the person we lost mattered to us. To say that grief should disappear on a neat timetable is an insult to the love we have felt. Deep grief and depression have identical symptoms for a reason. Depression is itself a form of grief for all the connections we need but don't have. There are times that you would most like to hide. I would suppose this would be such a time losing a spouse times where we would probably just wish to fall asleep, hoping that we would wake up to some different, better reality, wishing the nightmare would be over wishing that we would wake up and things would be fine. It would all be just a dream or a nightmare, but instead we might be more prone to fall into a deep, dark place where we make an awful situation even worse. It happens. It happens when people lean into substances. It happens when we lean into intoxicants, but evidently, evidently even critters do this. The physical stimulus so powerful that we struggle to resist feeling so enormously powerful that we neglect our own well-being in an effort to pursue them. I'll put a cover to a book and this popped up in my, you know, you go to Amazon and there's these suggested things. I'm not sure why this was suggested to me, but it was interesting. At least the book title is interesting. I haven't read the book. The title of the book is drunk flies and stoned dolphins. Subtitled a trip through the world of animal intoxication. Did I say intoxication? (laughs) Check that a trip through the world of animal intoxication. I don't know. I've not read the book, but. It's a clever title, drunk flies and stone dolphins. Best I can tell, we either cope or we attack. We either defend or we go on the offense. We manage or we impose change. We overcome or endure. And yes, we either win or lose. We succumb or we celebrate. But it doesn't doesn't feel so cut and dried in my life. Does it in yours? I mean, sometimes I don't feel like I won in the moment. But after some time passes, it's pretty clear I won more than I lost, or it's clear that my victory is far more sound than the defeat. Sometimes it's the realization that my defeat, however bad it may seem 
Now, in retrospect, it's not nearly as bad as it might have been. Mostly, I find myself, in hindsight, being thankful. Thankful for the sadness, for the struggles, for the sorrow, for the lessons learned. Lessons that I know I would not have otherwise ever had because winning does not teach me much of anything. I wish it weren't true. And so, armed with all this sorrow, armed with all this defeat, armed with all these times that I wanted to escape... Instead of fight, I have learned some important lessons that I suspect you two have learned. One, we must always defend. It doesn't mean that we refuse to trust others. It does mean that we guard ourselves against circumstances and choices and decisions and people who don't care about us being our best. It means against foes, we defend always. Amongst friends, we trust always until evidence proves that we may should make a different decision. And sometimes proof comes. You need to make a different decision. There's no reason to never trust again. There's no reason to refrain from being vulnerable with people who care deeply about us and for us. So one, we must always defend. Number two, we must always fight mostly ourselves. And mostly our inclination to avoid, to run, to hide, to procrastinate, to retreat. I'm not talking about those moments of respite. I'm not talking about regrouping. I'm not talking about reviving. You know, part of wise fighting involves surveying the opponent, the human situation. What's going on here? Where am I most likely to get hurt or knocked out completely? Protection is not just some passive observance. It's, it's a vital attempt to keep the enemy at bay, maintaining a distance to fend them off with our own punches, maybe and our own attacks so that we can keep human situations on their heels. I used to do a lot of boxing with kids in the neighborhood. I loved it. It was great fun. I never got in a fist fight. These were never, these were never things done out of hatred. These were, it was sport. It was sport, but it was, it taught me a lot, you know, watching someone's hands, watching their eyes, watching their core, paying attention to what are they about to do? What are they thinking about doing and what tendencies am I seeing in them that I might can exploit? Now, I don't know anything about firearms, but I've had plenty of people who do tell me that the best thing a person can do when you're being attacked by somebody with a gun is run. Now, I know that seems counter to everything I've said so far, but stay with me. In a physical fight, it is a form. It's a very effective form of fighting to put distance between you and the attacker. Now, these are sudden situations, dangerous situations, situations like the MMA fighter who is suddenly taken to the ground and now the attacker is going for a chokehold. You simply have to survive this situation. You've got to try to get back to your feet and live to keep fighting. Police officers will tell you that if a person is quite a distance away, now I don't precisely know how far away a distance away is, but you should run. In spite of what you see on TV, hitting a moving target with a handgun, very, very difficult. The greater the distance and the more movement, the more difficult it is to hit the target. That's why you see people in TV shows, you know, they're zigging, they're zagging, and they're running as fast as they can. 
Time is your enemy, so you can't stall, you can't wait. You cut and you run as fast as possible, and you're moving, you're jogging, you're parrying the whole time, making it more difficult for the shooter to have any advantage because distance is your friend. Running is not the point, but distance is the point. And distance may be time, it may be space, it may be both, but it is part of this second thing that we must always fight. It's part of the fighting process. And by the way, I also know from professionals that if you must fight, that is, if the attacker has a weapon and they are, I mean, they're right there on you and they've got a gun, you got to gain control of the weapon. If you're going to fight, you better gain control of the weapon. If you don't, you are in high danger. First things first, get control of the attacker's weapon, full control. Of course, then professionals will tell you them beat them senseless with it <laughs> so there's that number three we must always move forward even if it means retreating momentarily as my wife and i did so that you can revive yourself change growth and improvement change growth improvement the computer world knows cgi as computer generated imagery think pixar but you don't have to think Pixar. There are a lot of TV shows and movies that incorporate vast amounts of CGI or virtually produced images. They look very real to us. I mean, there's a ton of stuff done with green screens and whatnot. My version of CGI is very personal. Change, growth, and improvement. It's very real. It is always virtually produced first in our mind because we imagine it change growth improvement cgi we imagine it we think it we feel it we believe it we act on it and we make it happen we convert it from a creation in our minds to a reality in our bodies or we don't this is the running and hiding that we have to avoid at all costs running and hiding from change growth and improvement Oh, you thought it was about running and from life. I see people do this all the time. I understand the temptation to do it. We all do. We think we're running and hiding from the human situation. We're not. We may be completely powerless to alter that. The husband who loses his wife in a car accident has to face the reality. She's gone, but he also has to face the reality in time that his life continues. Hiding from the circumstance is what it may feel like. That's really not what it is. The value is in facing ourselves, finding a path forward in our own change, our own growth, our own improvement, as we figure out how to best navigate this new situation. In his case, sadly, life without her. Nothing easy about this especially when you're attempting to do this with a broken heart. For me, the creation of a new episode, this episode, any episode, the writing in a journal, the writing on a website, like now, part of the process. It's not about escaping the human situation. It's not about escaping what should be my appropriate response to the human situation. It's about coping. It's about managing. It's about defending. It's about attacking. It's about dealing with the things 
these these things that life presents to us every single day. It's about donning headphones in the wee hours of the morning and listening to Billy Strings and the boys play Know It All. I'll put a link to that too. No, better yet, I'll embed that. If you've not listened to Billy Strings, it's a new song, relatively new from the latest album. Frankly, I can listen to anything these boys play. It's about firing up a microphone. It's about talking to you. It's about sharing what I'm thinking, what I'm feeling. It's about communicating. It's about connecting. I don't know what your with looks like. With, in terms of the title of today's show, escaping the human situation or dealing with the human situation with writing. I don't know what your with looks like. I don't know what it feels like, but you've got some withs. You've got some things that you do to help you manage the human situation. Make sure they're helpful. Make sure they're not harmful. Make sure they're constructive. Make sure they're not destructive, right? I mean, it's better to write than drink. It's better to play music either on an instrument or like I do through headphones than to intoxicate. It is better to face your reality than to run and hide from it. Me? Well, I've already told you. I'm going to stick with the things that I know I can trust in. God, prayer, the Bible, worship. That's the foundation of it all. And then it's my wife. And then it's writing, creating, podcasting, sorting out thoughts by communicating and by connecting with people, well, with people like you. And along the way, Oh yeah, there's lots of music. There's always lots and lots of music. there it is another episode of leaning toward wisdom modern tales of an ancient pursuit i hope you find something helpful inspiring you know the hardest thing i think any of us have to do is to face ourselves but it's where the magic is it's where all that cgi happens that change growth and improvement So let me encourage you not to run from it, but to deal with it, to face it. Listen, we got to do what we got to do. And I know the world is filled with people that are going to tell you what you ought to do. But you got to do what you got to do. Me, I'm wanting to lean more and more toward wisdom, more and more away from my own foolishness. Lean into the things that I know will benefit me spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically and kind of let the rest go my name is randy Cantrell. the website is leaningtowardwisdom.com greetings and welcome inside the yellow studio